This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also find more of our podcasting at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And of course, as is usually the case with our episodes, the, this week's sponsor is Horror Movie Yearbook, which can be found at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. Horror Movie Yearbook is a podcast presented by the Midwest Podcast Network that uh, discusses and critiques uh, horror films from uh, based on their year of release and contextualizes them with the year uh, current events and pop culture of their release year. So again, find that at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. Thank you once again to Midwest Podcast Network and Horror Movie Yearbook for sponsoring us. So Tiny, uh, today we are doing a Netflix Picks episode. Yes, we are. It's been a while. Yes, it has been a while. Um, I think I said last week that um, we only did like one Netflix Picks episode last year Last year in 2017. Really? Yeah. Yep. Dang, that. Dang. And it was like early in the year too. Wow. We so, need to do more. I know. Cause it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Like this for, for background, this type of episode was born out of, uh, when Mike left the show back around episode 107, um, I it kind of caused, caused us to kind of reevaluate like how, how we would do like a two man podcast. Mm-hmm. And this was an idea that was kind of born from that. And I I really like doing these. Yeah, me too. Because it forces me to watch stuff that's on my queue that's been on there for years. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so um, that's what we're doing today. And then uh, we're also going to do a little bit of news and uh, round out with some potpourri. Yep. And so before we get before we begin with news and everything, Tiny, how how you been? Anything new? Good. Working a lot. Nice, working nice. hard. Nice. Yeah, but it's good. Good, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same here. Same here. Uh, that's that's about it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this episode though because uh, I'm very curious what you thought about your movie. Me too. Um, yeah. So anyway, but before we begin with that, we do have a little bit a piece of news. First of all, um, I think I mentioned this last week, but I have made a very big concentrated effort to get my Letterboxd account up to date and where I want it to be and everything. And I've finally done that, and I'm so excited about it. Mm-hmm. So Letterboxd, if you're not familiar with it, it's like an online like uh, social networking site specifically for movie lovers and, and, and people who uh, like the conversation of movies. So we use it to log our... Movies watched and everything. Tiny, you for all of last year. This was like last year was the first year that you used that primarily to log your movies. It's my only only source for logging movies. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yep. Nice and yeah, I, I've had it for like a year and a half. I usually just plug in the information that I have in my 
I use Evernote to track my movies, but now I'm just making it more my go-to thing to post like what I watch there. And, and like, it's really good cause you can write like little blurbs and stuff about the movies and rate them and everything. So like part of what we do here is I started the blog obsessive viewer back in 2013. And then when we started the podcast, I did the podcast and blog in tandem. And then eventually just kind of snowballed the podcasting snowballed. So I don't write really at all anymore, write reviews. So having like letterboxd is a nice little outlet to write like my thoughts on movies and everything. So anyway, you follow us on letterboxd at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny. And then also on that same note, uh, I put together, I, I actually paid the $19 to do a year of, of letterboxd pro, which basically takes all of your movies, uh, your viewing and everything and puts, compiles stats and everything. Nice. And I went back and I logged every movie that I've watched since 2013. Man. So right now on Letterboxd, you can go and look at my, all every movie I've watched in the last five years and running. And you can check out my top 10 lists of every, of each year and everything. So essentially I have now put all, every single movie that I've watched and everything and all the stats and data and everything there since the inception of this podcast. Jeez. So that's super exciting. That's so how much, how much was the pro, the premium? Uh, 19 for a year, $19 yep. for a year. Mm-hmm. I almost want to do that. It's, just, you know, it's worth it. Honestly. Yeah. Just, to, you, just to central and do the same thing, mm-hmm. put all my stuff in just to centralize all yeah. of it. Cause it's, it's really cool. Cause like, it's just, I mean, it's pretty much straight. Like if you like, okay, you logged all your movies for 2017 you pay the $19, it's going to compile, like, it's just going to automatically do it. Like, you're, you will be able to go and see how many movies you logged, how many, uh, uh, how many hours you viewed. Like, wow. it has it broken down by, <laughs> has it broken down by top actor, top director. Oh my gosh. And, uh, if you go to mine and you go to, uh, all time viewing stats, uh, that has every, for the, since 2013 hmm. and running. Yeah. And if you scroll down, <laughs> If you scroll down to top actor, do you want to guess who the top actor is that I've watched since the inception of this podcast? Uh, Ryan Gosling? Nope. Adam fucking Sandler. No. (laughs) Oh, that son of a bitch. And it's like, it's like 30 movies. Oh my God. And the second is, uh, is, uh, Samuel L. Jackson with like 25, I think. That's better. Yeah. Much better. But it, yeah, and uh, do you want to guess like what the? <laughs> and I'm gonna eat my words here. Um, do you want to guess what the number one movie of the last five years? It is five years, right? Yeah, five starting January of 2013. The la- the number one movie that I've watched the most times. Dark Knight. No. Uh, Sunshine. Well, actually, Dark Knight Rises is tied for the top one. I think. Oh. Yep. Not sunshine. No. Um. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> ah, yes. Welcome As, to the dark side. I know, right? <laughs> um. But yeah, it, it's just and like today, honestly, today and uh, at work, I was uh just like I had a tab open 
on my on my browser and I just had Letterboxd open. I was like like sitting there reading reviews and commenting on them and stuff. It's just it's such a cool uh thing. Um That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, that makes me want to do that, but it's, taking the time to compile all that. It's it it is incredibly time consuming. Yeah. And plus like when you post in Letterboxd, like you yourself, you haven't uh you don't rate the movies, which is also really cool. Like it's it's a cool function because it's like um Let's see, I can check out my movie, like, the spread of, like, ratings and everything that I've had. Um, but what's cool is, like, I have these lists. Like, I created a list for each of my top ten lists from 2013 to 2017. Mm-hmm. And, like, just the interface of it, like, creating the lists, like, look at how it's set up. Oh, my God. Look at how it's set up here, Tiny, because it's, like, it shows the movies. Or, like, it shows, like, a list and everything, and then has, like, the background is is the top movie, and you can go year by year. Um, oh wow! That. It's very cool and very clean, right? Oh man, that's awesome! Yep. And <sighs> as an added bonus, if you want to check out my my profile and everything, I did just compile a list of all the movies that we have reviewed on the Obsessive Viewer as like a like the main topic for the week was the review of that movie. Uh-huh. So we had a li- I have a list specifically for that, and then. At some point, if I have, if I find the time to do it, I'm going to make a list of all the movies that we have covered in potpourri section. And the reason for that is that my goal is to compile a list of movies that I need to see that, like, like you or Mike or or Fecus or someone else has has brought up as potpourri that I haven't seen. Uh huh. <laughs> so yeah, what well, are right, your first of all? I'm doing this. Okay, nice. After having nice. having looked through this, nice. So. The this oh that tied the movie that the Dark Knight Rises is tied for her second most watches. Oh God, is pitch perfect. It is, okay. That's awesome. Now I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to uh, mm-hmm. defend that because it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's what was number? Great. What was like number five? Uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Adam Sandler, yeah. Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Bill Hader, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's in. Uh, he did voices for Force Awakens. That's true. So yeah, I think he's credited. I think that's right. So that might be why Bill Hader. Yeah. And then Tom Hanks, oh, wow. mm-hmm. Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, mm-hmm. John Ratzenberger. Yep. That's Pixar. so cool. I know, right? Yeah. And like, if you look, if you scroll up, uh-huh. sorry. Uh, also, top director Steven Spielberg. Nice. Nice um, yeah, and then like also like, did you see like these? Like they have, yes, the list the percentage of the lists. Yeah, that's very cool. It's very cool. Like for our listeners, they have um, basically your list progress, which it has um, six different lists that it that it tracks your progress through, and those lists are the Letterbox top two fifty of all movies, of which I've seen twenty nine percent. Oscar best picture winners, right. which I've only seen twenty seven percent. Uh, the IMDb two, uh, top two fifty, which I saw forty six percent. Edgar Wright's one thousand favorite movies, yeah. uh, which I've seen twenty percent of. Uh, the Sight and Sound top two fifty, which I've seen ten percent of. Oh God! <laughs> and uh, the Box Office Mojo all time top one hundred, which I've seen sixty six percent of. Nice. So yeah, um, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like you can go like. Like, this is all time stats. So it's like a life in the film. You click that and you go each individual year. Right. And it's like, oh, God. Like, t- so far in 2018, I've watched uh, 28 movies, written 10 reviews on Letterboxd, and uh, I uh, 
have spent 55.5 hours watching stuff. Wow. In 2018. So the long and short of this is I am very much single. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway. uh, That's great, yeah. Yeah, so definitely, yeah, 19 bucks. Okay. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so anyway, that's, that's enough, um, talking about Letterboxd, but, oh, okay, um, uh, tangentially related to that, or specifically because of it, I have been seeing, because I follow a lot of, like, like, critics and everything, Mm -hmm. so I have seen a lot of, uh, posts and stuff, and reviews, and comments and stuff about Sundance, which is happening right now, Mm -hmm. so I have spent really all day today daydreaming about what exactly I would need to do to afford to go to Sundance. And I think it might actually be doable. Nice. <laughs> provided that I can get press credentials. But right. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm honestly, cause, um, uh, cause I actually, <laughs> I actually just heard a rumor that we're getting for my company. We're getting a pretty big bonus this year. Nice. Uh, which is awesome. Cause last year we got a big bonus, but that was only, I only got, part of it because i started the job that year right so this year it's like it's also like it's a comparable bonus but i'm getting paid for the entire year of it so it's gonna hopefully be big but i like i'm thinking like okay i can just put money aside not touch it and then like end of the year like book the stuff and yeah hopefully do that but that's that's a very long shot at it's but i, I it's something that i definitely want to do that could potentially happen in 2019 but also could really be pushed to 2020 yeah yeah but uh look out for my gofundme <laughs> campaign <laughs> yeah um yeah but hey, hey uh obsessiveviewer.com slash donate if you want to help me get to park city utah totally in the winter <laughs> um so yeah so i had one other news thing that i was going to bring up but i'll just wait until you go to your potpourri because okay. uh because it's tied to that so right yeah, so this week we're doing Netflix picks, which uh, if you listened last week, or if you didn't listen last week, it's where we basically open up our Netflix queues, uh, trade phones, and we each one of us like uh, pick a movie for the other to watch. So last week, Tiny, um, you picked for me The Place Beyond the Pines mm-hmm. by Derek C. in France. Yes. Um, and I picked for you the documentary They Call Us Monsters mm-hmm. from 2016? Yes. Yes. So who do you who do you want to go first? Uh, I don't care. I can go first. Okay, yeah, because I've been talking a lot and everything. Yeah, so, yeah. Tiny, they call us they call us monsters. How did you feel about this documentary? And also, uh, for our listeners, the plot description is plot description is um, legislators debate legislation that allows for adult charges for juvenile offenders. Right. Yes. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Interesting. Um, from so many different levels. Um, some of those being that, you know, I, I have um, very skewed, but I think I would think decently well-informed opinions on uh, um, law enforcement and like uh, um, criminality and, and stuff like that and legislation regarding those things. Um, because I wanted to be a cop for a long time and I have, I have a degree in criminal justice. And so I've actually studied it a little bit. Um, so from that level and then a level of just filmmaking and, and like, like a a premise for a premise for a a documentary. And then, um, just, uh, just a a human from a very human level, I guess I'll, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. So 
I think I think the documentary, first of all, just to start with the premise, it's a great idea. This guy kind of decides to just teach a screenwriting class at a juvenile prison in California, and uh, he talks to he has these four kids sign up and they um, they work on writing a screenplay, and he's going to basically shoot the movie. Um, so that's a cool idea, and that's perfect for a documentary. I think it's a great, great, just a great premise and um, and all that. Uh, and so what, what jumped out to me the most with this movie is just, is, is the human factor of, it ends up being like three kids really, um, that are the, the subjects of, uh, this class Mm -hmm. that's taught inside this juvenile prison. And what, what blew me away about these kids is just how, just how human they are and just how unique they are and they're 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 super bright kids they're they're smart kids like i i was like really surprised i thought i was expecting kind of like a scared straight type thing where the kids were like trying to be really hard ass like being hard asses and being Mm -hmm. like very trying to show each other up and be very tough tough and braggadocious and stuff like that but that that was completely non-existent with these kids um Jumping out at me the most was this kid, Antonio. He's this, like, he's 16 or 17 years old. And this kid is, like, he he has the kind of attitude and the kind of, like, he's the kind of bright, bright kind of person. Like, he should be running a business somewhere. Like, that that's just kind of what, what I feel from him. He's a really bright kid. He picks up on things. Mm-hmm. He knows how to express himself. He's got a lot of energy. And he knows how to like deal with people. He's super personable. Like I wanted to talk to this kid. Like I, I wanted to have a conversation with this kid. Um, like he wanted. He he talked about reading these uh, military brochures that the uh, the juvenile facility had, and like he was talking about how he wants to be a Navy SEAL and stuff like that. And this kid just like imp- he, the kid just impressed the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Like if I was interviewing at a job interview, I would I would want to hire him, <laughs> regardless <laughs> nice. of the fact that he's a criminal. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's just absolutely heartbreaking what what happens to this kid. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just it literally broke my. Like I got a little choked up. I was like, man, I like that kid so much. Um, and just like, and, and then this, this other kid, uh, Jared, he's he's maybe not quite as like smart in the classical sense, but he's mm-hmm. again he's bright. He's a bright kid, and he's super charismatic. Such a charming, charismatic kid, and and. Like, you know, I, I can see how he might be a bit of a hothead, but he's a nice kid. Mm-hmm. And and I was just, like, just blown away at what the the crime that this kid committed. Um, and then the other kid was, uh, uh, what's his name? Juan. Mm-hmm. Um, just a very, seemed like a very grounded kind of uh, semi-introverted kind of a, just seemed like a, just a nice kid. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so crazy given... I think the title was perfect. They call us monsters because if you look at these kids on paper and look at their crimes, it's like, man, these kids are monsters. They did horrible things that Mm -hmm. on on their face are evil deeds. But then you just, you get to watch for an hour and a half, these kids be completely humanized and, and, and turned into these real people that you kind of like. And it's just, man, the juxtaposition of that with their crimes was just incredible. And and I give the filmmakers a lot of credit because they throughout the movie they they remind us 
of the crimes that these kids committed and it's mm-hmm. i mean it's some heavy shit like it's it's yeah. messed up it's it's wrong on uh, completely on its face just wrong mm-hmm. and, and terrible what they did um but i could i just couldn't help myself i found my kid my myself just really liking these kids i just i, I really like these mm-hmm. kids and and that's to me that's what the movie accomplished so well is uh the the human value of the story they told and and the way they included that um included that through throughout the the information that's dispersed in the in the movie it was really well done i I was really blown away um and you know there's this whole controversy that they they shed light on the in the state of california there there's this legislation about you know how you try juveniles as an adult and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and that's that's a a subject that i have very mixed feelings on i think you know, I think back to when I was a teenager and some of the stupid and bad shit that I did, <laughs> um, you know, what what I want to be tried as an adult and what was my mindset like back then when I was mm-hmm. doing that stupid shit. Um, and and I, have, I have mixed feelings on it. I'm like, yeah, this kid should be tried as an adult or mm-hmm. maybe this shit, this kid shouldn't. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to think about. Um, and, and this movie made me think about it and, I still don't know. I'm still not sure. <laughs> um, but it, I think I, I like the legislation that California was proposing and eventually passed in this, in this, uh, documentary. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's smart that, you know, these kids are tried as an adult when they're 16 years old or 15 years old mm-hmm. and they get, you know, sentenced to 60 years in prison. Mm-hmm. This legislation allows them to be up for parole after, I think it's 15 years. Oh yeah, um, and sure. it, it eventually gets it's like it's like a mandatory parole at fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not they're not really automatic mandatorily released right. after fifteen years. They're, they're examined. They're yeah. up for parole mm-hmm. for the first time after fifteen years. So yeah, I just yeah. I was just I think the movie just balanced all these different feelings and all these different aspects of this story so well. I was just so impressed with it. I, I mean, yes. I, I didn't get worn out or tired about certain things i don't feel i don't feel like they dwelled on certain things too much or it was too long or too short mm-hmm. i was just super satisfied with it i thought it was a great great documentary that's awesome loved it um so i i, I the reason why i picked it for tiny is that oh i forgot that we do that we we say why we picked it for yeah it. um totally forgot about that my bad um i picked that for tiny specifically because i saw the documentary back in 2016 um, at Heartland Film Festival. And you can actually listen to me talk about it for like a few minutes in one of our, um, in in episode 191 of The Obsessive Viewer, where I talk about Heartland 2016. Um, And I, okay, so up front, I didn't get a chance to rewatch the documentary. Mm -hmm. I didn't even get a chance to... um, listen to my comments on it. Uh, to be honest, I, I kind of forgot, or I thought that we, I thought that I had written a review of it, but I didn't. So it's only on that. So I was going to cheat and like read the review while you were talking, but I, there's no review to be read. But anyway, um, so I remember like, this was a tricky thing that I'm going to have to revisit it after your comments on it, because I was a a lot more, I remember being a lot more lukewarm on it. Uh Um, for a couple of reasons. One, being that, uh, first of all, the kid Jared, I think that that's, is he the one that on the poster he's like in the middle? 
Yes. Okay. He, I thought, was just so freaking obnoxious. Yeah. Like, and I mean, and it, it's tough because like it's a documentary. It's like a real person, so it's not like like they're not like writing him to like they're not you know he's not a written character or anything. But he was just so off putting that was just kind of like it just kind of got to me a little bit. Oh really? Uh, it just okay. just a little bit. Um, and then the other thing was that I felt like the kind of aspect of it where where they're writing a where they're writing a screenplay i kind of felt like that got a little bit lost and a little bit like not it wasn't like a huge focal point of it which i kind of thought yeah. that early on i thought that it was going to be like about that mm-hmm. um but other than that like like uh was it uh, juan um that like i i felt for that kid was yeah that- he's the one who got deported or he's gonna get he's gonna get deported right. when he gets released right yeah. yes um yeah, like I felt I felt so much for that kid. Yeah. And like yeah, by the end of it I did I did have a better appreciation of it if I remember correctly. But also this was at Heartland 2016 and like I was at a disadvantage because I watched it uh pretty soon after I saw another similar documentary called Dramatic Escape, mm. which I should have checked to see if that was on Netflix cuz I would have had you watch it uh instead. But um Dramatic Escape was a documentary about um prisoners like in like an actual prison um Mm -hmm. who it's a program where they put on stage productions like the entire cast and and crew are like it's a program where they do theater in prison with prisoners and like there was an like the whole documentary is about how they were doing a uh a a performance of a few good men and it's just like the juxtaposition of of them talking very candidly about their crimes and everything and their regrets and everything while doing this like military drama was was really interesting so i can huh. i kind of think that that kind of yeah i think that kind of um um colored my my perception of of they call us monsters because i was still kind of riding the high from dramatic escape okay. which is not on netflix by the way okay um so yeah so i i'll have to revisit they call us monsters mm-hmm. under a different uh a different lens and and see um see how i feel about it okay um but speaking of heartland by the way um they are they're they're actually doing in july they are basically doing the indie i forget what it's called indie like short film festival okay um so from my understanding they're actually taking because like obviously heartland has has both feature length and and short films i think they're going to have like a separate like thing in july specifically for the short films and then the event in or the October Heartland Film Festival is going to be all features. I think that's okay. my understanding, and that's when they're going to announce the winners for the short films. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, um, and I put in my PTO request today for uh, not the whole week because I'm hopefully going to Vegas in June. But oh, nice. did I tell you about that by the way, Tiny? Uh-uh. Okay, uh, so I put in uh, Fecus and. My brother and a bunch of people, they're putting together a trip to Vegas mm-hmm. in first week of June. And uh, <laughs> if you remember correctly, the Friday of the first week of June is the first day of Indie PopCon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, I, we need to buy a booth. or Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I'll figure that out. With my taxes, I'll probably get it, and then you can hit me back at some point. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's great podcasting. But, um, <laughs> so the actual week that we're going to Vegas, I put in my PTO, got approved and everything, going to book it once I get my bonus. And then, uh, like, 
I'm actually like they're gonna stay the whole week, but I'm actually gonna I'm planning on hopefully leaving a day early, specifically so I can be in town for Indie Popcon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. Um anyway, so the anyway uh, that's sidetrack, but um so yeah, so that that's they call us monsters. Yes, yeah, totally. Yes. Um what would you rate it? And do you think you would start rating movies on Letterboxd if I? <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing is, I always <laughs> the thing is, I always check in on Letterboxd to write when I'm starting the movie. And see, I I get that because I'd be I'm worried that I'm going to forget to do it mm-hmm. by the time it's over. Yeah, and so I don't I never rate them. So I'd have to retro- retroactively go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or. You could just do it after. I know. <laughs> like the moment after it's done. Yeah. And that's what I do. Like what I do. Like with... Uh, that's what I'm going to have to start doing. Yeah. Like yeah. with the movie that I saw last night for Potpourri, I basically just... Like the whole movie, I'm sitting there like, okay, I kind of wonder what I'll rate this. Okay, this is... Maybe this is not a best practice of it, but I'm just like, you know, this is probably... I have like an, an idea of how I rate movies and everything on there. And then like after it's done, I immediately go to Letterboxd and I'm like, okay, rated, write a little blurb. Okay. Yeah. But anyway... um. Uh, I would. I don't like the four star scale. That's the other mm-hmm. thing about. Well, it's five star. Is it five? Yeah. Which okay. I mean, you could view it as like each half star is a one. Right. Right. Yeah. Is, it, is a number. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd give it four stars then. Nice. Four nice. stars. Yeah. Sweet. And uh, who would you recommend it to? Um, I would say uh, eighteen to twenty five year old males, white okay. males. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh. Anyone who has an interest in, uh, like it's it's kind of anyone who has political leanings, I would say. Okay. Anyone who's like a political person, because they they'll probably have a pretty, um, a pretty solidified opinion about mm-hmm. you know, uh, how how juvenile offenses are adjudicated. I think. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you think that the that the documentary? presented its its case and presented its its uh um what's the word i'm looking for like the like the stance that it took on this on this particular subject like trying trying uh juveniles as adults and everything did you think that they um like i know that you were swayed by it or or you had it influenced you and everything but did you do you feel like it presented itself in an objective way that that felt like that it could do you think that someone who has a a more harsh stance and and viewpoint of um uh, of uh the criminal justice system and juveniles in the criminal justice system do you think that they could be swayed by it and is there about, anything different that they could have done i don't know about swayed by mm-hmm. it but um i think it would make them think at the very least um because okay. for me like i said i i I uh, associated with these kids a little bit, or I em- empathized with these kids a little bit, and mm-hmm. I, I I liked these all three of these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were just, I, th- I thought they were nice kids. I really did. Um, and and I I don't feel like they, I don't feel like the filmmakers massaged that at all. I don't. I felt like that was all pretty genuine. Um, yeah. But you know, like you, you you completely you didn't like that one kid, Jared, at all. Right. And so like, I feel like other people would interpret or uh, respond to these kids differently. And so some people might react the way I did and can start to think differently about their opinions regarding that, uh, the controversy, the documentary, but uh, some might not. So I, I don't know. I, it's, it's kind of hard to, 
hard to say. I, I think the I think California is doing it right. By the way, what this legislation they passed? Because I just to throw this out there. I, I mean, my personal f- feelings on it are: I think fourteen should be the cutoff. I don't think anyone under the age of fourteen should be tried as an adult. And I really like the idea of um saying that they're up for they're being they're up for parole after fifteen years. I think that's that's a really great way to do it because you're still you're still punishing them for a harshly punishing them for their crimes. 15 years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and it's still up to the parole board. It's not like they have to release them after 15 years. It's just they will be examined after 15 years and then they're not up again for another three years or five years or, you know, it's completely up to the parole board. So I think that's a great way to do it because I, I do think some minors, I do think minors need to be tried as an adult a lot of the time. I, I think... I really, I really think they should, but I don't think they should necessarily have to die in jail for it, depend, right. depending on their crime. So, and and their involvement in the crime. So, I, I, I just think the way that it all played out in the documentary, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with California's system for dealing with juvenile offenders. Interesting. I think that's a a really good way to do it. Okay. And would you watch the movie that they wrote? I would. Yeah. Nice. I would. I don't remember much of it. It's something about a girl and. A breakup or something, um, and a kid. No, it's about a, a kid who's kind of in a troubled home a little bit. Oh, okay. With a single parent, and he like kind of falls for this girl. I think. Oh, okay. It was yeah. kind of disjointed. I don't really. Mm-hmm. I didn't follow it all. They they had a lot of uh, uh, <laughs> not not conflicting ideas, but like it, it, they had a lot going on. I guess yeah. when they were writing the screenplay. Okay. They tried to cram a lot into the movie. It felt like. Gotcha. Okay, and then finally, what's the worst thing that you did as a as a child that you would have been gone to prison for? I will not admit that on the podcast. Okay, cool. Well, statute of limitations, man. <laughs> I'm embarrassed by it more than anything. Okay, it's not. It's bad. Okay, <laughs> but it's not like. I think people wouldn't think it was that big of a deal, but I'm really embarrassed by it. Okay, well, wait until they excavate the bones. Oh my but, god, <laughs> that's terrible. That's tiny. Did not murder anyone. There's no physical harm involved whatsoever. Okay. I promise. Okay. Was it pooping in the girls' locker room? No. no. Okay. Oh no, that was that's, no. Yeah, that's entirely embarrassing. That's funny. <laughs> right. What I that did was wasn't funny. funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually like to tell that story because right. that's funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I like the idea of just leaving the listeners like, okay, <laughs> yeah, they don't need context. Just, nope. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, so that's they call us monsters. That's on Netflix. Tiny enjoyed it. I'm gonna need to revisit it. Um. Yeah, and watched it at Heartland, and yep. Yep, Maddie, you watched The Place Beyond the Pines. Yes, I did. Schenectady. So, yes, Schenectady. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Is is that a real place? Yeah, that's okay. what Schenectady means. Is the place beyond the pines? It's a Mohawk word. Oh, seriously? Yeah, it's an Indian Mohawk word. Oh my! I honestly had no idea. Yeah, that's where the I, title of the movie comes from. Wow. Yeah. That just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So The Place Beyond the Pines, or Schenectady, it's a 2012 Derek C. in France movie about a motorcycle stunt rider turns to robbing banks as a way to provide for his love, for his lover and their newborn child, a decision that puts him on a collision course with an ambitious rookie cop navigating a department ruled by a corrupt detective. And so, okay, so I initially tried to watch this movie, um, I think it was Monday, Monday after work, or one of the, like, Tuesday after work, we're recording this on Wednesday, 
So Monday after work. Anyway, mm-hmm. neither here nor there. So I tried to watch this after work one night, and I got kind of sidetracked because I ordered pizza, and they gave me the wrong pizza. So that, Sons of bitches. I know. So talk about excavating bones. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I got a free pizza. It's fine. Anyway, um, so uh, I tried to watch this after, after that, and I, it was just one of those times where like I wasted so much time like dealing with crap that I by the time I sat down I was like okay this is a two and a half hour movie I have like a, like two hours before like the absolute la- latest that I want to go to bed mm-hmm. so I was just I got 20 minutes into it and I was like I'm not going to be able to focus on this I'm going to be too tired and yeah. I'm just going to have to have to cram it in before Tiny comes over to record so um, we ended up pushing the recording so I was able to watch it yesterday with without interruption and without issue and uh for starters okay so i felt like at the beginning i felt like it it had a slow start so i'm not going to spoil anything but the movie is very much split into three distinct sections Mm -hmm. um and the way that it is it's the 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 story unfolds it's kind of like this interwoven kind of um long spanning drama that's almost like almost like a greek tragedy in in a sense and there's this this the way that it's interconnected is very interesting but the that first 20 minutes i was like i was kind of I was kind of at a loss cuz it's a lot of like jumping around like oh Ryan Gosling is a stunt man for the circus i think and <laughs> oh he has a kid oh she's not with him oh there's Mahershala Ali um, which every time he was on on screen in my head, I was saying his name because his name just uh, I lo- like the sound of his name is awesome. It is, um, and he's he's a great actor too. He but is good. Anyway, so it just seemed kind of disjointed at the beginning, and then once he robs his first bank, I for for starters, I thought that it was going to be like oh, like an indie indie drama version of Point Break. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, then I, then it made me think like, I really need to watch hell or high water again. Cause it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, totally. So anyway, um, once he robs his first bank, I was kind of more floored by it and more, uh, on board and then, uh, how to talk about it without going into spoilers, but there's a chain or there's a, the narrative shifts a little bit to incorporate Bradley Cooper's, uh, character as a as a police officer who's dealing with a corrupt police force and then uh that like it drug just a little bit in the middle there but once i realized like exactly what they were doing and the way that these characters were going to interact and the way that certain actors were going to be introduced into the movie because mm-hmm. like dane dehan and uh emery cohen are both in the movie and they're they're both great in yeah. it. Like in that third act, it's it's really great. And like as soon as as soon as I kind of caught up with the movie, I was like, oh, I know exactly who this character is going to be. Yeah. And yeah, by by the end of it, it was just, um, I was I was really uh, taken with it. Um, but I, I don't want to skim skim over the the middle part there. So there's there's this whole like um plot line with with Bradley Cooper and. His father is Harris Eulen, who, uh, who is this judge, and then he um, he interacts with Ray Liotta's character as this corrupt detective. And the stuff that they do, it's not like it's not it's not like a focal point of the movie per se. Like it's not like they're going it's not like they're going to different things, and it's not like the shield level of corruption. It's like they, there's one thing that's depicted 
and then it's kind of like Bradley Cooper wrestles with it throughout the movie. And the thing that they do is like, like that's just such a messed up, messed up thing. Like mm-hmm. the, the what's introduced to introduce them as corrupt cops is really like really messed up. And the way that it connects with the rest of the movie is just, I, I love that kind of, that kind of long spanning story that bits and pieces come into play later and throughout like in in surprising ways throughout it so it kind of feels like at a certain point you it kind of feels like you're watching an entirely different movie and then the movie that the that it was in the first act kind of creeps back in in certain aspects and then kind of goes away again and then comes back in a big way in the third act it's like that kind of ebb and flow of story really makes it feel like an organic like like uh, genuinely uh personal story because you feel the way that the these characters react to this and the the way that they piece together how everything is interconnected with each other um and the way that they react to that is is really uh uh dramatic and it's really uh, in tune with what the viewer is seeing. Like, cause you see a character that, that sees something and then pieces together what this, like what this picture means to him as a character and to, to like someone else as, as a character. And they put together like all the pieces while you are sitting there. Well, granted, you know, you know, all the pieces are there, but you know, the, the weight of what they're putting together. And it just really makes for a really compelling, uh, last half of the movie really um and having said that the movie the way the movie ends was a little bit i don't know it kind of felt a little bit uh crazy like i wasn't i wasn't quite up to speed with it like i wasn't quite alongside it uh by the ending but it was still thrilling and and very interesting and it, the movie says a lot it has a lot to say about um fathers and their relationship with their sons and how their relationships can impact their sons in uh in significant ways or their inactions can impact them in in significant ways as well right and i have to i mean all the performances were incredible um bradley cooper's great uh dane dehan emery cohen they're both great but ryan gosling like I don't want to give too much away, but he's he's not as central a figure in this movie as you would as you would expect. Right. Um and but for as for as limited amount of screen time as he has, his presence is still felt so much in this movie. Right. And like the the pressure that that has to carry on him as an actor, yeah, uh to give a performance that's worthy of catapulting the story forward is like is is incredible like it's it's incredible that he was able to uh achieve that and that's not to discredit like like the other characters because they obviously have to pick up the emotional not slack but they have to like their performances are informed by ryan gosling's characters actions and and his character itself so like they have to kind of play off this character that isn't even there while also respecting the weight of like the character's actions and decisions and everything throughout the rest of the movie. It's just like, it's a, such a really fascinating balancing act to have this story that's contingent on this actor that is not present throughout most of the movie, but his presence is still there. Um, in subtext. Right. Right. Yeah. His character was like the very like devil may care archetype kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. I think he was really like a really strong character. Yeah. And uh, Derek C. in France, um, 
he previously directed Blue Valentine, which I I love. Um, as heartbreaking as that movie is, like Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams are incredible in it, and just the the weight of their their relationship dissolving before our eyes and and going through um, hardships is just really fascinating. But with Derek St. like I think I I liked Blue Valentine quite a bit more than The Place Beyond the Pines. That's nothing against The Place Beyond the Pines, but they're very different movies. But one thing that I really liked, uh, or another thing that I really liked, was that uh, the bank robbery stuff in the first act. So Ryan Gosling robs banks, and then he kind of uh, there's a couple. There are a couple of scenes where he is uh, riding his motorcycle very fast through the city streets, mm-hmm. and it's like there's there's one particular like chase that. I, I like the kind of the the filmmaking sensibilities that Derek C. and France brings to it. It's not like a big budget like Hollywood like chase sequence through through a residential neighborhood and cemetery and stuff like that. It's like it's filmed like this kind of indie drama filmmaker would would film it. Um, it's very mm-hmm. shaky cam. It's very kind of like in the moment with with the uh, actors, and it's like it really it really moves really fast and really uh it's okay tiny do you remember the movie narc with uh yeah yeah who was in that was it scott speedman i don't know it was ray liotta ray liotta yeah okay so busta rhymes oh yeah yeah Yeah, i don't know why i remember that anyway um (laughs) um (laughs) so yeah uh, yeah the the movie narc it has like a handheld handheld like film thing that's very shaky cam and and it's kind of disorienting mm-hmm. like the place beyond the pines kind of adopts that style but it's more refined and more um i don't want to say more steady because it's not like steady cam because it's, it's still shaky but it's like like they know where to where to put the camera <laughs> yeah and where like like where it needs to be for the audience to to um follow it along and it's it's just it's it's really it's really uh interesting yes totally yep and uh yeah so i on letterboxd tiny i rated (laughs) the place beyond the pines um a certain amount uh three and a half stars okay um and a like so my kind of rating system is that um anything from half star to to three stars can be technically not really liking it that much, but then three stars to five stars, um, w- would earn like a, like a heart that I like it. I don't know. There's okay. I got thing. you. But yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Yeah. So that like, like sense. there's like three stars and no heart means that like, okay, I kind of liked it, but not, not loved it. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's the place beyond the pines. It's on Netflix, Derek C in France. Um, directed it and uh it uh, it features Mahershala Ali. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I um you know, I'm not sure why I picked it for you. Okay. Um just cuz I know you hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um and I kind of wanted to force myself to rewatch it. Nice. Did you? No. Oh, okay. Um cuz honestly, <laughs> I don't remember it that great. Okay. Um I just I remember a, a decent amount of it and some of the mm-hmm. the high points and the the major points of the plot and everything, but uh mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I I need to watch it again. Um, and it's been like six years since it came out. Right. Um, I just remember reading about how um, Derek C. and France came to 
Ryan Gosling and like was telling him about it and he was like, Oh man, yeah, that sounds great. And, and I think Ryan Gosling actually had the idea to, he wanted to like break the record for most artificial tattoos on a character in a movie. Oh really? Yeah. And, and <laughs> Derek C. and Francis was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. That'd be cool. It fits with mm-hmm. the character. And, uh, once they started filming, like on the first day, Ryan Gosling was like, I've made a huge mistake because <laughs> it took like two hours to put them all on or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. I just remember reading that and I was like, that's funny. <laughs> um, and I, I liked that aspect of it. Nice. It made me respect Ryan Gosling cause he like, mm-hmm. he cares enough. He cares so much about certain, you know, being an actor and his craft and everything that he wants yeah. to like strive for something so ambitious. Oh yeah, I thought that was really cool. So. And I like I've always respected the hell out of him as an actor. Yeah, and ah, uh, like he he really he has like this kind of understated quality to him in this movie. That's like it's kind of. Like that's I think that's why the first like fifteen twenty minutes is why I was kind of disconnected because it's just he's not very he's not very reactive to things yeah but man when he is like he's just like like as the movie progresses and you get to a point where he is he's reacting to things and he's he's you know he's you get a better sense of what his character is like it's just he's he's knocking it out of the park it's really yeah really incredible absolutely. Um and then let's see oh yeah okay so I was looking up Derek C in France. Because like you said, this was like six years ago, and I, I can't remember if he had anything recently, but uh, he did have, in 2016, The Light Between Oceans, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. Yeah, that was completely off my radar. I don't even know what that is, really. Oh, yeah. It's something about a lighthouse? Yeah, Lighthouse Keepers yeah, in Australia. That's yeah. I mean, it's got Michael Fassbender, yeah. Alicia Vikander, Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Good good cast. Yeah. So I might have tried to find that. Oh, Yeah. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but, um, but yeah, I'll have to check that out too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll add it to my watch list on Letterboxd. Right. So yeah, anything else on Place Beyond the Pines? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah, we're gonna definitely have to do more uh, Netflix picks. Totally. And like I said last week, I really want to do like an Amazon Prime thing and call it Prime Selections. Yeah. I, I definitely want to do that. So. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. good too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead and round us out with some potpourri. Let's do it. Yes. So for first time listeners, potpourri is a section of the podcast where we talk about pretty much anything we want as long as it smells good. That's anything that we're looking forward to, anything that's, uh, anything that we've watched lately. Um, pretty much anything, anything we, we want to talk about, <laughs> uh, movie or TV related. So tiny, I have two things. You have one thing. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get us kicked off with a movie that I watched last weekend, uh, I, Tanya. Nice. Yep. So I, Tanya got, oh, I forgot to look up the nominations, but it got nominated for, I want to say editing. Mm-hmm. And did Margot Robbie get a nomination? Yes. Okay. And Allison Janney got a nomination too. I yes. Believe. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, Tanya is a, um, it's a movie about the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, um, assault, uh, back in, I think it was 94. Uh, the kind of thing about it, Tiny, have you seen the trailers for this and stuff? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so yeah, so the kind of, the thing that's in the trailer is that this is Goodfellas of figure skating. And it really is. It's like, a, yeah. it's like the style of it is very much like, like the big short and Goodfellas and, um, um, oh, there was another, a closer, um, 
comparison I was going to make. But anyway, it's like it's like a meld, meld of the big uh, the big short and and Goodfellas, where it's this story. It's like a crime story that is being told by the the subjects essentially mm-hmm. of it, played by Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, and uh, Allison Janney. So yeah, so I I was just really. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed this movie. Um, nice. Yeah. So, it, like I said, it felt like Goodfellas meets The Big Short, and it's very much kind of tongue-in-cheek in a very interesting way. So, um, it's it basically chronicles – it's from the point of view – like, it's it's focused on Tanya Harding. So, there's not much of Nancy Kerrigan in this, in this movie at all. Right. And that's not really – I mean, I I kind of came away from it thinking that okay, well, that's kind of problematic. But also, the movie itself is about Tanya Harding, and like while yes, Nancy Kerrigan was a victim of an assault that she broke her knee, um, <laughs> it's still kind of the the point of the movie is is uh, is to depict a certain truth <laughs> of Tanya Harding essentially. So. Um, the the movie flat out breaks the fourth wall at a few times, uh, just basically like having characters saying like, "Oh, I didn't actually do this," or, "Or yeah, oh yeah, she actually did that. She she did this and this." And it's like mm. it's it's played to comedic effect, but it's it's like actually really, like it's it's really kind of cool. Um, it's it feels not necessarily seamless, but it just feels like it moves a lot. Like it doesn't feel out of place that Margot Robbie is holding a shotgun and and fires a shot at a doorway then looks at the camera and's like I didn't actually do this like it doesn't <laughs> feel like it's out of place it's just it's part of the momentum of the movie okay. um and for as much fun as it is cuz Tanya Harding I don't know if, how familiar you are with the the story and everything and Tanya Harding as a character or as a person a little you? bit but not much okay so kind of like the the main like point is that she is a a champion figure skater or like a very talented figure skater who is in this world of figure skating that is presenting like a pristine view of like, of like, like it's figure skating. Like it's, it's, you know, they, they want a certain type of, of woman to be the top of it. And she is this kind of, kind of a a poor home life, kind of, trashy type of uh right type of uh, upbringing and everything so she doesn't have that but she has the talent for it so that's kind of the central conflict for her character throughout it mm-hmm. throughout the movie but kind of the big thing like there's there are a couple relationships in this movie that are kind of the focal point of it so it's her relationship with her mother played by Allison Janney who is phenomenal like she is fantastic one of my favorite actresses absolutely and and it speaks highly to Margot Robbie too that she can she can keep up with her yeah and like they're both very very uh, very good in this movie and then so there's that relationship where 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 Allison Janney's character is like this overbearing parent who is who's basically teaching teaching her that abuse is normal and in order to shape her into a champion and then the other side of it is that uh, Mar- Tanya Harding is. It's uh, her relationship with Jeff Galuli, who uh, they had an on again and off again marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that really um, uh, elevated this movie for me was the relationship between Tanya and Jeff, 
in the way that both Sebastian, Sebastian Stan and, uh, and Margot Robbie were great in it, but the way that they, the way that the movie depicts the relationship, cause they're at kind of at the central, at the center of it. It's like this kind of Coen Brothers-esque portrayal of this crime, mm-hmm. um, and everything that it's, it's kind of, it's kind of brilliant because it paints everyone involved as just the biggest moron. Yeah. And in like that is to such high comedic effect. Like the, like the character who steals the movie is, is the guy who plays the quote unquote body, bodyguard of, uh, of Tanya Harding, who is a complete buffoon and really <laughs> like just an absolute idiot. And it's, okay. it's, it's so funny. But that comedy element that is based in truth of what really happened, like they show, like at the end of the, at the end of the movie, I was like, okay, they had to embellish that bodyguard character, that Sean Eckhart character. Mm-hmm. But in the credits, they show actual footage of the, of like the interview that they recreated in the movie, and it is exactly, oh man, on point. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, but like that, like that alone is is great. Like that makes it a fun, entertaining movie. But what really elevated this movie for me uh, past that was the way that it doesn't shy away or glamorize or um, or uh, play the abuse as soft. So like it's very much like an abusive relationship between Jeff and Tanya, and it's not played for comedic effect or anything like that. It's, it's treated with respect and the harshness that it needs to, to get the point across and mm-hmm. everything. Like there's moments where you're laughing one second about, Oh, this is kind of a silly kind of crime caper thing. And then, Oh shit, he just beat the shit out of her. Wow. And it's like, it's that jarring kind of thing that really like puts you into a position of like, you kind of understand where like, where like Tanya Harding's like, character is coming from that she is granted there are moments where she's like telling us exactly like hey um you know that i'm uh, like i just grew up abused and that's just how i figured that uh it worked and everything but like the the way that the harshness of the abuse and, and the physical altercations take place really really puts you into into the movie into the despair of the characters so that it takes them out of being from being just complete buffoons that are out of their element and doing something or putting wheels in motion to injure a, a, a fellow com- competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, it elevates them from just buffoons doing that to like actual, like complex characters that, that you can kind of feel, feel for, especially Tanya Harding. It kind of has a favorable light on Tanya Harding. Okay. And another side of that is um, that it's kind of this is the rise. This has happened all at the rise of like the the twenty four hour news cycle, and 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 uh, and it's just about the the press that occurred, like all the press uh, that swarmed this case right. and everything. And like, there's some interesting things being said being said in the movie about you know how. Um, how uh um how the press can can really uh affect a person's life in a negative way just by chasing a story that that doesn't need as much coverage or maybe 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 saying it doesn't need as much coverage is is you know disrespectful to Nancy Kerrigan yeah but it's something that is harped on for the drama of it and not the journalistic integrity of it okay um yeah and my final thought my final 
piece I'll say about Itania is that, um, oh, oh man, I'm blanking on his name. Um, he was in C- the villain in season three of Boardwalk Empire. Mm. Um, Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. Yep. Uh, he, he has this weird, like he's in this movie, but only as like a, like one of the characters that's telling the story or it's like he, uh, he plays a, uh, a journalist for like hard copy, which mm. you see like hard copy. That's like, I forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, he has these talking heads where it's, it's kind of hilarious. Cause he's like, he's got like spray tan and like, um, spiked hair i don't think he has like frosted tips but he might as well yeah but it's like he looks like kind of douchey and ridiculous but uh he like he's commenting on the like this the the um journalist side of it and the media attention side of it but it kind of feels like that's kind of out of place like it kind of feels like it's more you know because the other the other people that are narr- not necessarily narrating the movie, but they that they cut to and everything is Allison Janney's character, Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, and the actor playing Sean Eklund. So people that are involved in it, and then you have this one kind of lone person who's like, oh yeah, the media. Hmm. Um, so yeah, but that I mean that's not even really a complaint; it's just a, a comment on it. But okay. overall, I just I really enjoyed Itania, and I thought that it uh, depicted um, a serious subject. To several serious, or a couple serious subjects with, uh, um, in, 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 in an engaging manner that okay. I thought I found entertaining and shocking in the, in the, in the same vein. Okay. Or in the same way. Nice. So yeah, so that is I, Tanya and tiny. Yeesh. Um, what is your potpourri? My potpourri is Big Little Lies. Um, like I said, been on a big TV kick lately, mm-hmm. and uh, Paige and I decided to watch this. Uh, full disclosure, this is the first time I think I've ever done this, which is a big statement. We binged the whole thing in one night. Nice. It's only seven episodes, mm-hmm. but still. I mean, we started watching it at like 8 o'clock at night. We stayed up till 3, 3 in the morning. Wow. To, which we don't do. I don't right. stay up that late anymore. Right. You're do an not. old married couple. Yes. Yeah. Like, by definition, you're not allowed to stay up past <laughs> like 1 a.m. Exactly. So I was tired, but I was like, this is so good. Um and then also full disclosure, it's freaking amazing. It's really, really good. Nice. Um, the the best thing about it, hands down, are the performances. Mm-hmm. So the Who are the actresses in it. Um, the three leads are Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, and Shailene Woodley. Okay. Um, who play the the three kind of main leads? Um, but then. I they're bare, I wouldn't even necessarily call them supporting characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they are, but they're so prominently featured they feel like uh lead characters. Um Laura Dern and mm-hmm. uh Zoe Kravitz and then the male the kind of male leads are uh Alexander Skarsgård and Adam Scott. Oh, nice. Um yeah, and so the performances are just out of this world good i mean so the the show it won four golden globes okay um it won for just best limited tv series um and then alexander skarsgård won laura dern and nicole kidman all won uh golden globes mm-hmm. um which are all completely deserved um so i, I was glad to see that and then reese witherspoon and shaleen woodley were nominated but didn't win so the performances are just absolutely incredible. Um, the, the story is kind of about these like 
primarily uh, upper class, not even upper middle class. I would just say they're just upper class millionaire families who live in Monterey, California. Okay. And, you know, they have some of the best schools in the country and shit like that. And it's just kind of about, you know, the depiction of, of what appears to be like a perfect life. But, you know, no one has the perfect life or it's sometimes your perfect life is a lie, which is kind of one of the taglines of the show. Mm-hmm. And it's about like their their kids get into this crap at school and they're like young kids, like in kindergarten, first grade. Okay. And it turns into like, you know, these these mothers with these big egos kind of fighting each other on behalf of their kids, stuff that happens at school. And and it kind of goes from there. And it's 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 a pretty st- kind of like on the face a standard story mm-hmm. but it's the setting and the characters that turn it into something ex- extraordinary um and i just I, I i cannot i cannot credit and uh tout these performances enough they were all just so perfect um this is the best work alexander skarsgård has done by far um i've always thought of him as like i mean he's he's a decent actor whatever mm-hmm. i was never overly impressed with him um granted most of my frame of reference for his work is the show true blood mm-hmm. um which i do not think was a good show right um I only watched him for two seasons on that so that's that was his, most of his body of work was that's what I thought about when I thought of Alexander Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him in, um, God, what was that movie called a couple years ago? Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> no. Frack, what was that movie called? Hmm. I don't know. It was about, like, activists. He was in it with Ellen Page and Britt Marling. I can't remember. Oh, oh, oh. I don't remember what that I was called. I remember you saw it. Yeah, you actually wrote a review for the website about that. I did. Um, I liked it. It's a good movie, and he was good in it. Yeah. I, I liked him in it. I was like, wow, I didn't know he was going to be a good actor. Mm. Um, and then he was in the Tarzan movie. He was fine. Looked great as Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, had, I just didn't have a very... Uh, an especially high opinion of him as an actor. Mm-hmm. But this completely changed that. He... His character has a couple different extremes that he um ex- ex- extremes of certain characteristics that he that he goes to throughout the show okay. um he is he can go from being like this really cute and loving and charming father when he's playing with his you know seven year old sons mm-hmm. it's very cute and it's like you're like oh that's funny that's that's nice to see to just the complete polar opposite, intense, mean, violent, horrible person. Just awful, evil person. And it's just amazing how he jumps between those two. And he's just, he's hard to watch in this show. Like, and I mean it in the, in, in the way that you see a, a freight train uh, barreling down the tracks at a, a semi that's stalled across the tracks. It's like, <laughs> wow. oh my god, this is awful, but you can't look away. Like that's <laughs> that's how I felt about him in this show. That's he awesome. was. I, I was so glad he won a globe because he was phenomenal. Um, nice. But but I don't. You, I, I can't take anything away from anyone else in the show. Um, I think I think this is some of Reese Witherspoon's best work as well. Like she, and, you know, she has two Oscars, so she's. Mm-hmm. She's a hell of an actress, um, and I've I've been a big fan of hers for a long time. I've always thought she was a great actress, but I I think this is right up there with her Oscar work. I think she did a phenomenal nice. job. She plays this very, you know, like uh, she's a housewife, and she 
needs something. She's so intense and she's so, um, she's such a type A personality that she has to have somewhere to focus her energy. So she focuses in on her kids and then she's like involved with like this local theater that she volunteers at. And she, okay. she takes everything way too seriously. And it's like, she's annoying, but you actually like her. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, she's, she's really hard to, she's really hard to fit into a box other than she's just super type A and very go getter and speaks her mind. And she's, she's an awesome character. Um, and, I I I'm a little disappointed she didn't win an award for mm-hmm. it, but uh, it doesn't matter. Her performance speaks for itself. It's incredible. Um, nice. I just, and then I, I've Laura Dern is another one of my favorite actresses. Uh, mm-hmm. She's she's terrific. I loved her performance in this. She's also very very intense um, and just kind of a almost bipolarish kind of character. Okay. Um, Shailene Woodley's always nice. Uh, I've I've. I mean, I th- she she's in that Divergent s- series of movies mm-hmm. or whatever that suck, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's kind of her biggest claim to fame, which is unfortunate because those movies suck. Uh, right? They're they're they I'm actually sorry. stopped making. Them. They're done now. Okay. Yeah. Well, Good. they uh, they they were going to make the last one, but then the the previous one didn't perform well enough. So okay. I think they dumped it on good. tv or something good thing it, it, i don't even i think they even recast <laughs> okay good yeah yeah it's i didn't like him at all um so i'm glad she's showcasing her talents and other other works you know like the fault in our stars and then mm-hmm. and then this i i think she's good i don't she wasn't she absolutely deserved her nomination but everything about this show was this series was so good that she kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit um at least in my experience, uh, I don't know if any, if anyone else feels the same, but uh, she, she was good too. But Nicole Kidman looks amazing for a fifty-year-old woman, mm-hmm. um, which is commented upon on in, in within the series, um, and and that's kind of part of her character. She kind of it's almost like that was worked into her character. Oh, yeah. um, I really loved her in this. She has kind of this like battered woman. Uh, she she's like a battered woman character, but. Okay with a really interesting twist and I guess you could call it a twist, but like a, mm-hmm. a spin, I'd say it's more of a spin on, on that kind of archetype character. Okay. Um, and she plays it really well. She has some like one-on-one counselor moments that are just like heartbreaking. I would say they're heartbreaking moments. It's really intense. And I, I obviously Nicole Kidman is, is a great actress and she's highly mm-hmm. revered. And so I knew she was good. I just haven't, I feel like I haven't seen her be incredible in in a few years. Okay, it's just been a while, and I forgot that she's she's one of the best actresses out there. Yeah, um, and she she hit it out of the park with this. Nice. So Zoe Kravitz also did a really good job mm-hmm. keeping up with all these incredible actors. I hadn't seen her do a lot. What was she What was she recently in that I've seen her in? Uh, I think she's in the Divergent series. Okay, um, yeah, I have. Uh, seen she's in. Um, Oh, Hell's Bells. Uh, she was in X-Men? Was she oh. in Days of Future Past? That's probably what I'm thinking of then. I don't remember. Hmm. I don't know, but I haven't seen her in a lot, and I, I haven't sure. haven't really developed an opinion on her, but she, you mm-hmm. know, work, working with these kinds, these level of heavy-hitting actors, she held her own really well, and oh, I, was, okay. I was impressed and with she, her. And she was in Mad Max Fury Road. And First oh, that's Class, right. Yeah. She was in Mad Max. Yeah. Forgot about that. Okay. Um, and Adam Scott, awesome. Mm-hmm. I love Adam Scott. He's, I, I am amazed at how he can be like 
goofy, like like goofy comedic, um, almost like physical comedy level funny actor, mm-hmm. and then do something like this where he's he's not. This is not a funny role for him. This is not comedy. He is very, it's very dramatic, and he has some. He plays Reese Witherspoon's husband, and he's like this like computer engineer guy, mm-hmm. kind of kind of a dorky, squarish kind of guy. Okay, but also like very like a pretty emotional guy, and he has some very good one on one like married couple conflict scenes with Reese Witherspoon. Nice. I I was just I cannot say enough about the performances in this show. That's awesome. It's, and it's only seven episodes. It's only seven episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there is like a twist. There's like this mystery throughout, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a twisted twist ending at the end. And I figured it out. Did you really? Which I'm really proud of because nice. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm a big movie buff, and you'd think I'd be good at it, but I'm. Not, I'm not good at figuring out like. I can kind Ooh, of this is who the killer is. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not good at it. Yeah, I, I'm not. But like the third episode, I was like, I think. I think this guy is is this, and mm. Paige was like, "Oh well, maybe." And at the end, I was like, "Oh my, oh my God, I was right! Oh my God!" <laughs> and it's like this big reveal, and wow. it's it's very shocking, and and uh, when you watch it, you'll probably figure it out yeah. pretty, pretty quickly. I well, hopefully not. <laughs> okay, I'm just not, I'm not good at that stuff, and right. so I was really surprised that I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is it is absolutely phenomenal. Nice. Go watch it, please. It's so freaking good. It's on HBO, by nice. the way. I guess right. I should have said that. But uh, and uh, you didn't hear the news today that they announced. No, I knew that okay. they announced there will be a second season. Yes, and I'm like I'm so excited to give this to you okay. because this is this is like a pretty big news that like the internet is like crazy about. Okay, they cast uh, an actress for season two. Okay. Meryl fucking Streep. Holy shit. Yeah, right? Really? Yeah. Damn. Which, that's kind of amazing. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Has she ever done, like, any TV? I don't think so. I think maybe, like, I-, I could see, like, maybe a limited series thing. Or, like, early in her career, maybe. Yeah. But, wow. yeah, Meryl Streep. That's amazing. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I saw that, and I was like, and after seeing, like, her performance in the post, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to oh, nice. check out Big Little Lies. It's, it is incredibly good. Nice. It's, I mean, I thought it was going to be, like, a limited series. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a, a mini, which is a, the new term for a mini series. Right. And, like, I've always, can I've always said that Band of Brothers is the best mini series of all time. Mm-hmm. John Adams is a close second. Mm-hmm. This is a close third. Really? That? Me. It's that good. Wow. I was blown. I'm, I'm going to watch it again at some point. Like, Wow, that is awesome. It is really freaking good. My God. Yeah. Like, yeah stay I'm up gonna... till 3.30 in the morning. Good. Right. <laughs> I, uh, so I have, at the start of this year, um, uh, oh, Meryl Streep was in Angels in America TV miniseries. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so uh, the beginning of this year, I, I made a list for maybe the first time that I'm actually taking it seriously, at least. Um, I made a list of like 2017 movies I want to catch up on. Okay. And because in listening to our past episodes um, for year in review episodes, I every episode I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to check that. I missed that and everything. Every year I look and see like the previous year, I did not catch up on hardly, hardly anything. Yeah. So that this list has expanded to include and this is just me being me essentially it's it's my in my in evernote it's on my radar 2018 that's the name of it <laughs> okay uh 2017 cleanup has a whole bunch of lists of 2017 movies okay then sundance 2018 are movies that i'm seeing 
at uh, like seeing as being played at Sundance that that sound interesting. Okay. And I have a whole list of wide releases in 2018, and then finally I have TV shows, and I just added Big Little Lies to that. So nice. So it is on the docket. Make it a priority. Oh yes. So yeah. Anything more on Big Little Lies? No. Well, please watch it. It's so good. Okay. So right. good. I might. Uh, I might. I might. Um, yeah, when, when I do watch it, I'll, I'll bring it up, and I'm only going to refer to it as Big Little Eyes. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know how I'll rank it between, like, I don't know how I'll rank Big uh, Big Little Eyes with Friday Night Lights. But <laughs> anyway. Well, as, as, we were, as we were watching it and, like, the title mm-hmm. popped up, I, I kept thinking of, like, the 80s song that's like, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, and I just... Kept thinking, like, tell me lies, tell me big little lies. I, that kept popping into my head. Okay. Which is a really obscure reference. It sure is. I don't even know what that song <laughs> is. Like, I I don't even know. Obsessive mu- music listener? No. Okay. No, stop. Okay, that's... that's we'll Down. Down, Maddie. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, I don't think I mentioned this, but uh, last week when... Uh, I meant to bring this up. I think uh, I tweeted this and everything, but um, when I was talking about ER last week, uh-huh. um, I tweeted that um, I want to. Uh, I should start an ER podcast, and it would just be called "To <laughs> To ER is Human." Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, oh, that's fucking great! I know that is such a great. I know, uh, and it's wasted because yeah. I'm maxed out with podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Damn, anyway, and then just quit your job. I, I know. Mean, I, oh, I wish I could. <laughs> I really wish I could. ER is to human. To ER is human. To ER is human. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Damn. I know. Perfect. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> should I round us out with my? Yes, memory? please do. Okay. So speaking of Nicole Kidman, actually, okay. Um, I watched a movie titled "The Killing of a Sacred Deer." Oh, and are you familiar with this movie at all, Tiny? I'm not. Okay, so I saw it kind of listed. This was one of those, uh, one of those movies that um, I kind of saw mentioned kind of toward the end of 2017. So I thought, like, oh, this is uh, this could be like like an Oscar contender or something, but it's not quite. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, man, okay, so, I watched this movie probably about, I finished it maybe 22 hours ago at this time, at the time of this recording. Mm -hmm. I still don't know what (laughs) exactly I saw or how exactly I felt. Uh So, this movie is directed by, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. He I think you did a good uh, job. That's pretty good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So he he did the lobster. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a year or two ago, which Fekus actually saw that and really didn't like it. Okay. Um, I was always I was I was intrigued to see it, but I didn't get around to it. And then he also did Dog Tooth in twenty uh, two thousand nine. Okay. Did you ever see that? No. Okay. So and he's done some other movies, but none of which I've seen. So this was the Killing of a Sacred Deer was my introduction to it. So, um. I'll read the plot description that I'm seeing on Letterboxd now, but a teenager, uh, okay, a teenager's attempts to bring a brilliant surgeon into his dysfunctional family take an unexpected turn. So this movie has Colin Farrell as, um, as, as a surgeon and his wife is played by Nicole Kidman, um, which I do agree. She looks amazing for 50. Yeah. And then basically they have a couple of kids. And there is a character named Martin, played by Barry Keoghan, 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm uh, mispronouncing that. He uh, he did appear in Dunkirk. Um, he's he's one of the guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this movie is so bizarre to me. So it is. Um, I don't know how to put it into words. So this is this is a movie where basically this this Martin character, this kid, is befriended by uh, Colin Farrell's character, and so he kind of gets he kind of inserts himself into Colin Farrell's um, family and his life at home, um, and they have like a connection that's kind of revealed later, but I won't go into it. But um, so he kind of inserts himself into his family and like Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman and their two kids, like they live this kind of idyllic kind of life. And like, they have this very nice house. They, they, they like every, everything is all pieced together and perfect and everything. But then basically this, this kid inserting himself into the, into the lives of the characters throws a wrench in it that goes into some very strange, like basically like, uh, Twilight Zone-ish kind okay. of ways. Like it's kind of like uh I don't even wanna I don't even want to touch on that per se, but basically it, it becomes like a Richard Matheson style story. Hmm. Like kind of similar to like did you ever see the box with Cameron Diaz and uh mm, someone else? Um maybe. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. I did. So yes. that so that's based on a on a on a story by Richard Matheson. Oh, okay. That was previously adapted for um um James an episode Marsden. of James Marsden, right. Yeah. But it was also um uh he, he was it was also adapted in the nineteen eighties Twilight Zone. So okay. anyway, so the most I'll say is that the plot of that movie is kind of similar to, to what happens in the killing of a sacred deer, only a little bit more complex and 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 uh, just kind of really messed up. Okay. Um, but the kind of like, so you have this kind of somewhat supernatural kind of like, like crazy plot that has this character that has to make, that is, that is being, um, um, ha- like that, that this character has like the foot on the throat of another character, figuratively speaking. Okay. So like that is an interesting, like psychological, psychological thriller premise and everything. But the thing that I couldn't really connect with or that I couldn't really reconcile with the movie is the kind of style of the overall movie. So Hmm. there are good and bad parts. So like the camera work is really gorgeous. Like there are scenes in the hospital where Colin Farrell works, where you get like this, like it's, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition because you get this wide, wide angle view of just Colin Farrell and another character walking down a hallway. So it's, it's this kind of like, it does this, this weird like mental trick with your mind that you're seeing this, you're seeing this enclosed space, but it's a wide angle. So you see like everything around it. It's like, you see both sides of the hallway. Like there's sounds like Kubrick a little bit. And that's yes. And that was my next point. Um, it very much evokes memories of like Kubrick's Kubrick, uh, Kubrick films. And that's even down to the score. Like there's this, Mm. like, this very like sharp, um, high pitched kind of, uh, I wouldn't say orchestral, but like kind of like strings and, and piano that's like they, it cuts in and it kind of assaults you. Okay. So like, it's not like this, it's not like this slow build where it's like, Oh, something is about to happen or, or, or this character is behaving sinisterly. So we need to kind of lay this ominous tone. It's like, 
two characters are walking in that's like boom boom not not like wow. boom boom but like boom boom I, I don't know i can't do it but anyway okay. like very high pitched screeching and it's like it's it's to the point where it's it's like you kind of like i i had trouble like reconciling that i i kind of hated it but it was also like it was kind of effective as okay. as as a tool for for the tone of the movie huh. um but the other thing I'll say about it is that the cor- over the course of the story, it's um, it's very clear that this movie is meant to um, make you uh, leave you with with formulating your own opinions on it and mm-hmm. your own interpretations of it. Like it, this is a movie that doesn't necessarily have like I don't think that the director had a a singular like statement to make about it i think that it's it's something that is left up to your interpretation and that's something that i'm still wrestling with because i don't i still don't know what the fuck i just watched (laughs) but uh just it's the best thing i'll say about is that it's gonna stick with me for a while okay um and definitely has me intrigued to check out more of his work i definitely want to still check out the lobster because i like the premise of that okay and then dog tooth i've heard is pretty messed up so okay. i'll uh i'm very intrigued yeah it's man and i rented it on google play so that's that's how i watched it okay, i was curious yeah. anywhere but okay um but yeah it's man it's it's such a weird movie but okay. it sometimes yeah. weird can be great oh absolutely so yeah i'm curious and yeah it's just something that i'm still kind of wrestling with and and i don't regret watching it mm-hmm. but I just don't know what the hell I watched. <laughs> so you do kind of recommend it, though? I, I do. I, I okay. definitely want you to see it, because I want to have yeah. a longer conversation with you about it. Because okay. I, I... Yeah. It's okay. it's definitely a movie that is up for debate and, and up for discussion. Okay. Um, for sure. All right. Um, yeah, and that, that about does it. Fekas is on his way over to record a bonus episode about the Oscar nominees. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And, and, okay, so we had planned... We're gonna have a bonus review, bonus episode about the uh, Oscar uh, nominees, um, and then next week we're going to be reviewing Black Mirror season four. Yep, super excited about that. Me too. Um, and then also, if you want to listen to episode by episode reviews, check out um, my side project, uh, my solo podcast anthology, which I'm reviewing Black Mirror episode by episode. But Tiny, I wanted to throw a little bit of a wrench in our plans. Okay. And see if you wanted to. Maybe not instead of a Black Mirror episode, but alongside a Black Mirror episode. Did you want to do this again with Amazon Prime? Do a Prime Selections thing? Okay. Okay? Okay? Sure. Good, because I already have my list up on, okay. on my phone. I don't know if I really have like a watch list. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Can but I pick you, something You could just you pick watch? something from Prime for me to okay. watch. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As long as it's free and included with Prime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so let me let me go ahead and pick one for you, and then I'll show you my list, and we'll uh, you'll you'll um, you know watch it. Okay. Um, or you'll pick one for me. Um, let's see, what have I watched lately on Amazon Prime? Yeah. Okay. So okay, so I, I've picked what you're gonna watch, and. I'm going to show it to you in a second, but I'm going to preface it by saying that I'm going to make you watch this specifically because I just recently watched it. I didn't bring a, bring it up in our st- extended potpourri because I didn't really know exactly what to say about it, but I did watch it recently and I kind of want you to see it so we can have um, 
we can actually bring it up, and I'm curious about what you'll think of it. Not that I necessarily loved it or anything, but here it is. Do you want to read the title? Because I know you haven't heard of it. Marjorie Prime. <laughs> yes, Marjorie Prime. Okay. Which is a movie that I <laughs> rented on Google Play and then realized was on Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I won't say anything about the about the uh, the plot or anything. I'll just let you go in cold. And uh, okay. And yeah. And so so Tiny is going to watch Marjorie Prime, and then he is going to pick a movie for me. Do you just want to take a look at my list just and just to see if it's on there? With the one that you picked? Yes. It's not on here, but I saw something else I'm going to pick for you. Really? What was the first one? Uh, tell me. Yeah, um, okay. The other one I was <laughs> going to pick for you is The Lost City of Z. Oh, is that not on my watch list? I, I didn't see it on here. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But instead, I am going to pick for you. Can I look at it and read it? Yes. Okay. Oh, Conspiracy. Okay. I talked about it on the, I talked about it on the podcast. You did? Yeah. Okay. What's the length of it? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I don't think it's that. Okay. Because, I mean, Marjorie Prime's like... 95 minutes. minutes. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an HBO movie. It's also right. on HBO Go. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Amazon has that deal, that deal with, with uh, them, right. HBO. Yeah. Okay. I think you'll yeah. like it. It's. I thought it was phenomenal. Nice. Okay. Incredible cast. Oh, yeah, Stanley Tucci's in it. Yeah, and yeah. Kenneth Branagh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, nice. why can't I give his name? Uh, the King's Speech. Uh, oh, Colin Firth? Colin Firth, thank nice. you. Nice. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's great. It's very good. Nice. And I can't believe that Lost City of Z was not on my list. Yeah. Oh, I need to watch my... Moonlight. There's so many movies on here yeah. that I need to watch. Because I'm just curious what you'll think. I, I'm I'm not sure if you're going to really like it that much or not. Conspiracy? The Lost, the Lost City of Z. Oh, okay. I, I'd be, I'm just curious. I'd be curious to hear how you reacted to that because I, sure. I liked it, but it wasn't... I think it was an, an honorable mention for me this year. Yeah, I think that it, it was about right. I know. It was an honorable mention. Okay. Um, I know it's not good enough for my top 10, and I almost felt a little guilty about making an honorable mention, but oh, really? I just thought it was a pretty darn interesting story and it interesting so it stuck with me for that reason but anyways conspiracy i'm mm-hmm. i'd be surprised if you didn't like it okay interesting yeah i will definitely watch that and i think just going through the list i think my potpourri when we do that it's going to be something that i'll watch on amazon prime so i'll definitely want to check it out and uh um yeah i'll have i'll have an amazon prime specific potpourri okay on on next episode so yeah um yeah fence is on here moonlight yeah i knew moonlight was on there free willy free <laughs> um yeah there's so much here but um yeah, yeah so we have our prime selections for <laughs> next next time and then we'll also be talking about black mirror season four probably and yeah probably do more I'll throw more stuff at you, Tiny, for us to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that is, that will do it for this episode of Obsessive Viewer. Um, thank you guys for listening. And again, uh, follow us on Letterboxd. It's fun. If you're listening to this and you like tracking your movies, go to Letterboxd. It's free unless you pay the $19 for all the stats and everything, but it's not required. Uh, so, yeah, at Obsessive Viewer and at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. And, Tiny, any parting thoughts? Uh, no. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. 
You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!